You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University, the show where we try to educate you on all things across the National Football League landscape. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Today on NFL University, the NFL has a huge COVID-19 problem as numbers continue to rise across the country. It's hitting teams all over the league, none worse than the Cleveland Browns right now, who are likely going to be significantly shorthanded against the Raiders on Saturday. There's a chance that they're going to be missing Baker Mayfield, as well as head coach Kevin Stefanski. Lamar Jackson's dealing with an ankle injury, but the Ravens are hopeful he can suit up this week. And the Raiders were way too confident uh, against the Chiefs, and they got absolutely smoked. So we'll figure out if the Chiefs are back or if it was just a game uh, against the Raiders a little bit later on in the show. Need to welcome in Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co. Before we get into it, KP, uh, do you have any thoughts on, on Florida State missing out on the number one recruit in the country who announced earlier this morning that he is going to Jackson State to play for Deion Sanders? I love what Mike Norvell is doing. This is all part of the grand scheme to get better players, bigger recruits in. Um, this is just one slip up. We will be fine. Don't you worry. Nothing to see here. That's what I'm going to pretend is happening. What's bigger than one? Zero? <laughs> what, what, was Mike Norvell's plan of losing his offensive coordinator to my Oregon Ducks uh, on National Signing Day also part of the plan? So he knows that Oregon has a strong recruiting class, so he's going to go there for a couple of years, see what Oregon is doing, then come back in two or three years, get a new cycle going, and FSU will be just fine, baby. 2013 wasn't that long ago. That's what we're saying in the Twitter spaces today. The uh, the FSU Twitter spaces have been fantastic. I'm not an FSU fan, but I've been sitting in on the Twitter space today just to uh, I'm just along for the ride. I'm just enjoying it as everyone is who's not an FSU fan. Uh, but let's get into it. The NFL's got a huge COVID-19 issue right now. Uh, we're seeing numbers go up all across the country, and it is devastating some NFL rosters. At the moment, it, it seems like the NFL and the NFLPA are kind of going back and forth on updating some of these COVID protocols. The NFLPA tweeted out a statement a little while ago saying the NFL decided to take away a critical weapon in our fight against the transmission of COVID-19. Despite our union's call for daily testing months ago, we're talking to our player leadership and to the NFL about potential changes to the protocol so that we can complete the season. It's a mess right now with record setting numbers. It seems like every day this week of players going on the COVID list going to be some significant potential superstar players who are not available this week. I mean, it's it's just kind of the way that it is like this was kind of a fear going into the season. And with the vaccination, it was hoped that it would be under control. Like, I don't have much else to say other than it's it's bad right now across the league. Yeah. Judy Bautista tweeted this this morning that. I can't emphasize this enough. There is zero conversation at NFL meetings about moving the Cleveland game. Like just knowing that everything, the 14 players and a head coach in two days, and the NFL looks at that situation and is like, nope, we're still going to play this game on Saturday because we want money. I think that's like the biggest concern here is like, we're not worried at all about, you know, player safety, backups going against backups. This potentially, you know, impacting a Browns team that's in the playoff hunt and other teams that are fighting for playoff spots but nope, the NFL is not really caring about that. They just want to get these games played. And I just couldn't imagine thinking so lowly of your product, of your fan, of the fans, of the players, of everything involved to think that you're still going to continue to just play these games, man. Well, you got to remember, too. I mean, the owners are just coming out of the winter meetings. That just happened like this past week. And they just talked about, you know, setting the salary cap and all that stuff. I mean, 
the reason why the salary cap dropped was because it's tied to like attendance numbers and like ticket sales and stuff like that. So, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy because it seems like it's really like we're just gonna push through and like kind of to hell with the, some of the player safety stuff that they've been kind of building up. Um, Mark Maskey of the uh, Washington Post just tweeted out. The NFL is considering a protocol tweak that would allow vaccinated asymptomatic players who test positive for the coronavirus to return to f- team activities sooner, sources say. Isn't that like exactly what how the Rams like got everyone sick this past game? It's amazing. It's like man. a couple guys get like test positive before the game and then they're like, no, it's it's fine. I'm sure no one else has it. And then <laughs> and then yeah. like the next day, everyone else tests positive. And it's like Guys, I don't, I don't know, man. To me, that sounds like, hey, man, this is about to like run through teams real quick. And instead yeah. of finding a solution, they're thinking, hey, maybe if we get these games over with fast enough, it'll be fine. It'll pass through. Nope, we just went through this dance last year. It's probably not going to change anytime soon. Um, just completely bungling the situation. Yeah, for a sports league that says they prioritize player safety, it sounds like that's the opposite of player safety by saying, well, let's tweak it so we could just get the guys back in sooner and and get them on the field. That seems like the opposite of what you want to hear. Um, So I don't blame the NFLPA for being upset today because that that is not what you want to hear. And it sounds like they just don't care what the product is going to be on the field because I'd imagine this product on Saturday between the Browns and Raiders is going to be bad, bad football. But it's also get... weird, too, that like the NFL's like, OK, hey, we're going to do this gambling thing. Everyone's going to talk about gambling all the time. And now I, you can't even figure out who's going to be in these games if you bet, you know, games Sunday when when the lines open up because all these guys are dropping out. I put I have money on the Browns. There's a new starting quarterback <laughs> here. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, I, I, I'm not that big of a, of a line better like that, but I feel like this is a week I might just kind of sit out and see how things play out across the league. We do have uh, a ton of games to get into, and I want to start with the uh, Buffalo Bills, who lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a walk-off touchdown to Brashad Perriman, who a lot of people probably didn't even realize that he had signed with the Bucs. But this was kind of an interesting game, kind of a a, a prove-it game for the Buffalo Bills, who have been struggling. We've called them soft on this podcast multiple times. They just did not run the ball in the entire first half of this game, and they only put up three points. But they did wind up coming back in the second half, tying the football game. Josh Allen was fantastic in the second half. And Tampa Bay is continuing to look like they are one of the best teams in the NFC and starting to scare me a little bit headed into the playoffs. Uh, How did you guys feel coming out of this game about the Buffalo Bills? Did they make you feel like they're moving in the right direction or like they could go on a run here at the end of the season to make sure they get into the playoffs? Because now there's like question if, if you stumble, there's a chance that they might not even be in the postseason at this rate. I thought it was good that they came back against what I would call the best team in the NFL unquestionably. So it's good to see that, you know, they had some fight. They're still a really good offense, even if they can't run the ball. I like the idea of getting Josh Allen involved on the ground, using his legs, because I don't think anybody would argue that he's their best running back, like he's their best threat out of the backfield. And, you know, especially at this time of the season, you need to run the ball. So why not use your quarterback? Um, he's, he's a good player and they have good weapons, but it, I mean, you can't stop the run. You're not physical and it's going to be tough to get stops in the playoffs when you need to do that. Like think about the teams, the bills are going to play in the playoffs. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, my question to you would be after everything we just talked about, you know, teams being impacted by COVID, what are the odds that the bills slip out? And I don't know what their schedule is right now, but could we see the bills fall out of the AFC playoff contention? How wild would that be when, just a little bit ago, we're talking about them, you know, number one contender. And then all of a sudden, a month later, they might not even be in the playoffs because they're on they're in right now. But the Bills are the seventh seed and they're seven and six, as is every other team in the AFC, it seems like. The problem with that, the, the Bills schedule coming up, Carolina at home, New England on the road. That's a tough one. And then Atlanta at home. I, I don't think they can't they can't lose to Carolina and Atlanta. Be fine. I'm looking at 538. It has them 66% uh, making the playoffs, 20% to win the division still. But I agree with you. I mean, 
my mind isn't changing on this Bills team. I mean, I feel like we've been saying this all year. It's like Buffalo, they can't run the ball. They're not a tough team. They're, they're kind of like a glass cannon. It it just never really makes sense to me how this team was built um, and the fact that they like never really kind of evolved and took that next step. They were content with being Josh Allen hero ball, and that only lasts for so long. And the way that NFL defenses are switching up now – where everyone across the board is just in those two high shells and is trying to incentivize running the ball, incentivize quick game, incentivize like precision play action shots and kind of get rid of the creative passing lanes that that uh, guys like Josh Allen and Mahomes have been taking advantage of for years. Um, it just never really made sense to me that they didn't put more of an emphasis on like going after a real tight end or trying to draft a running back. Like this was a team that people talked about, you know, drafting a first round running back, uh, you know, last draft. And they just never came away with that type of guy. So I don't know. I think the Bills need to take kind of like a long look in the mirror after this season and say like, who, who do we want to be for like the rest of Josh Allen's tenure? here? Yeah, I think my, my bigger takeaway in this game was people complaining about the pass interference on Mike Evans, like that cost them a game. And the next play they gave up a 60 yard or 40 yard touchdown. Like how do we not fault them at all for that? Like how do we ignore them getting stomped in the first half, you know, having to come back and then saying, Oh, well, if it wasn't for that PI, they would have won. Like that's not how this game works, man. They had plenty of opportunities. Yeah, like I enjoy watching Josh Allen hero ball. I, I think it's fun and it's, it's thrilling sometimes, but you know, this is a team that spent draft capital on Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And Zach Moss has been a healthy and active multiple times this season. And they simply can't run the football. And we, you know, you look at an offense like the Kansas City Chiefs and how they've had to kind of evolve a little bit. And they've started utilizing multiple running backs. And those guys have become a big part of their offense. Like the Bills just don't have the capability of doing that. And it makes them kind of one dimensional where their offense has been a little stagnant at times this year. So I, I have huge questions about them. And then their defense losing Tredavious White, obviously that's a huge loss. Like I have real, real question marks uh, about the Buffalo Bills moving forward. I don't have many questions left uh, about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, though. I'm I'm kind of with KP and saying like, yeah, I know they're not the one seed in the a NFC right now, but I kind of think the Bucs are just the best team in the NFL. And it sucks that Tom Brady is the quarterback of the best team in football yet again. And we, we just we keep going through this year after year after year. And Brady just keeps being incredible. And it feels like it's never going to end. No, I agree. Uh, my buddy, Charles McDonald and I walked through the entire NFC schedule. Um, for Acme Packing Company last week uh, or two weeks ago during the Packers buy. And we basically came away with the thought of like, the assumption is Green Bay gets the one seed because we didn't think uh, the Cardinals were as good as people made them out to be. And I think we kind of saw that a little bit against the Rams. But even if Green Bay is at home, the expectation should be that Tampa can beat them on the road, you know? So that's tough. I, I really do think Tampa, as long as their secondary just doesn't completely fall apart, that's going to be the big thing. If they can get like three straight games of their secondary looking solid, they can really go on a run because it's just going to be impossible to stop that offense. Yeah, like what are you going to do? Watch them play. What are you going to do? Fournette is you can only right double now. so many people. You yeah, can only double so many people. Rolling. They throw the ball down the field, but it's not like Tom Brady's holding the freaking ball. And they are doing this with like really good players on the outside. And AB's not even back yet, man. Yeah, like I, I don't think it's really close that they're number one. I, I would say Bucks, Gap, Chiefs, Gap, and then who cares? Like everybody else. So yeah, it's, Packers it's, slander, Packers slander. Well, <laughs> well, we're gonna clip that. We'll remind you in a month. I can't wait. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about the Packers who uh, grabbed hold of the number one seed over the weekend here in a little bit. But I want to talk about the AFC North because it feels like it is all of a sudden absolutely wide open. Lamar Jackson left Sunday's contest with a low ankle injury, but everything coming out of the Ravens this week is that they're optimistic he'll be able to go this weekend. He's kind of listed as day-to-day -day right now. And we've talked about this Ravens team all year. Somehow they keep finding ways to win football games and they still have a good record but the injuries have just piled up and piled up and piled up. And now if Lamar Jackson isn't available 
at any point, I, I feel like, you know, the Bills, we just talked about them making the playoffs and based on their schedule, they probably are going to be in the playoffs. The Ravens have a tough schedule the rest of the way. And if Lamar Jackson's not available, then we're talking about Tyler Huntley, who he looked pretty good in that game, but it's still we're talking about losing an MVP caliber quarterback for a roster that is already just decimated by injuries. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I am basically losing all faith in the Ravens this year. I mean, they they haven't really given us any reason to believe in them. Like, to be fair, it seems like their injury luck has been worse than any team in the NFL. Like they lost two guys right away in the same practice. So, and it really hasn't gotten any better. So they're kind of fighting through it. I think they're really well coached. But at some point, you know, you have to have the Jimmys and the Joes out there and they just don't have them. Um, But Tyler Huntley, I'm glad we brought this up. I thought he was great, man. I know he made some mistakes. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But I thought he played really well and it was fun to see him just kind of let loose. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable. I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up. But if you like you want a backup based on how he played last game and the game before, I feel like he would be a guy that you want in there for, especially with how the Ravens play, just giving their guys a chance. So um, props to Huntley with the way he played. But yeah, as far as the Ravens go, like if you're listing the best teams in the AFC and I know they're eight and five, which is so surprising to know that um, I, like, are they even one of the seven best teams in the AFC? Right now without Lamar Jackson and well, with Marlon course. Humphrey out, <laughs> like, no, with Lamar, I'm saying, like, you, you can't rely on Humphrey. But, like, if they have Lamar, even, are they? Because they're still missing a lot. They they have a it's, lot. I mean, it's so no. matchup-based. It's so matchup-based. I would like take if, the Bengals if – I would take the Bengals right now to be a more talented overall team than the Ravens. Well, the Bengals would certainly be able to score on the Ravens, but you can say that for any team going against the Ravens at this point, man. They struggle on that side of the ball for sure. They try to trade for Xavier Howard. At, at the deadline, and I think they were right for it because they had oh, yeah. one corner, they had tons of issues in the secondary, and then their one corner got hurt, and that one corner was kind of up and down anyway. You know, Marlon Humphreys kind of got that uh, Marcus Peters in him. He's not Jalen Ramsey, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he's a good, he's a really good player, but the issue is like outside of him, and when he does, like he's going to give up plays, and he's probably not going to generate turnovers like the Ramseys of the world. So yeah, um, missing out on Xavier Howard was big them and you know we're just seeing it play out here yeah their remaining schedule uh against green bay packers cincinnati Bengals, los angeles rams and the pittsburgh steelers (laughs) that is a uh that is a tough four game stretch i i'm assuming they're not going to beat the packers and then you just mentioned like the Bengals are going to be able to put up points on them then the rams uh, of all teams and then the steelers in in the final week of the season it just does not seem like it they is might lining not be favored up. in any of those games yeah it, it's just not lining up well for the baltimore ravens so on on 538 it says if they lose the next 3 games going into that steelers game the eight and eight Ravens still have a thirteen percent chance to make the playoffs, <laughs> and they would have. There's a one percent chance they still win the division. Go AFC. <laughs> what the AFC is a mess. Yeah, the AFC does not make a, a lot of sense right now. Um, talking about the NFC though, uh, a healthy George Kittle has been on another level the last two games. Like I, I feel like we forgot what healthy George looked like a little bit because of his injury problems early in the season. And Debo Samuel has been banged up for the Niners. He did return and continues to look like the best running back in football. But George Kittle has been absolutely insane. And KP as our resident Niners expert, should we be a, a, a little bit more worried uh, about the San Francisco 49ers headed in the playoffs with the way they're playing right now and if they can ever actually get all their offensive weapons healthy at the same time? Yeah, it'd be nice to uh, have multiple games in a row when all of your starters can play. Um, they, they really haven't had that benefit um, too often this season. So with George Kittle, it's weird because the first third down of the game, he's not in. Another third down later in the game, they're leaving him in the block, and they do that a lot more than they should. But when they let him run routes and they throw the ball to him, good things happen all of the time. 
151 yards this past game, 181 yards the week before. I think he's he's actually scoring touchdowns now, which is a nice little change of pace compared to the rest of his career. Uh, yeah, they're tough to beat, man. It really just comes down to right tackle, right guard, quarterback on, on offense, and then on the other side of the ball, rookie cornerback, Josh Norman, and then line – yeah, th- those two, just like the cornerbacks and then right tackle, right guard, quarterbacks, so like five players outside of that. You have nothing to worry about. But those five players are pretty freaking important in the game of football. So when they mess up, everything else comes crumbling down. Um, they are so talented, so supremely talented. And we talk about Justice mentions like the matchup wise. I think this team matches up well against a lot of NFC teams just by what they can do. They can get after the passer, unlike any team in the NFL. They have dudes on the outside on offense. So when you, you know, they're stagnant on offense and what they can do is they can turn those second and 19 plays into touchdowns just because their guys are really, really good and they can stop the run and run the ball. So like all those four aspects of football, when you're really good at those, you have a chance to beat anybody. So even, you know, superior teams like Tampa Bay, Green Bay, like they they have a puncher's chance more so than everybody else. Um, as far as the first round, though, I actually think that they'll be able to get out of the first round just because of the way that they play. But again, it comes down to will Jimmy G throw the ball to the other team? Probably. Will they catch it? That is a coin flip. And then as far as blocking and then giving up the big play, like will their rookie cornerback be able to hold up against whoever it is, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, whoever it may be? Or will Nick Bosa get there first? So it's uh, sort of that's the argument that you have when it comes to the 49ers. But a lot of talent on the team. It's just can they put it all together? Brunskill is a guy that I think people nationally are going to re- like have no idea who he is. And then they're going to watch a playoff game with him. And they're going to be like, that dude's all 270 pounds playing guard in the NFL. And he's getting his butt kicked every single play. Um, yeah, that right side of the line and. Even Alex Mack, like Alex Mack isn't who he used to be, I thought, at least when, you know, early in the season when he was playing against like Green Bay and stuff. But if they're in 21 personnel, they should freak everyone out. With Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk finally looking like an NFL player, George Kittle, Elijah Mitchell, and Kyle Juszczyk, like there's just not many defenses, period, that that can line up to that and feel good about those matchups in both the run and pass game. Yeah, so what happens is, like, the Bengals, they were coming at the 49ers' office. Like, they're blitzing them, blitzing them, blitzing them. The problem is when you do that, you leave Kittle one-on-one. You leave Ayuk one-on-one. You leave Debo one-on-one. And if you miss a tackle, it's RIP, man, because they're going to take it to the house or they're going to turn into explosive play. They've done that pretty consistently all season. Jimmy tried to throw three picks on that last drive, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was that's, brutal. When you talk him, about that, it's like, yeah, that happens every week. <laughs> him, he, he was like a cover one with a whole player, whatever you want to call that, um, or rat player, whatever you want to, like, they call it different things. But it's basically cover one four-man rush and then a guy in the middle of the field, the linebacker, who's just trying to take away crossers and stuff. Jimmy, like, tried to throw it to that rat three different times on the same drive. And I was like, the hell is going on here, man? Like, that's that's tough. You're, you're a vet. Isn't Jimmy, like, 30? It's not like he hasn't been in the NFL. He's not a young quarterback. It's yeah, he's not, not that young. I promise you it happens every week. It's not a matter of when, or sorry, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. The good thing is, though, Shanahan's uh, sideline reactions to his misses are hilarious because he wears the motions on his sleeve. And he's always throwing his hands up and down. It's like, come on, Jimmy. Supposedly, they were close to putting Lance in, but, I mean, they do this every week. Like, they do this dance every time where Jimmy's almost bad enough or he's he makes enough mistakes. We're like, man, we got to do something. But they never do anything, and then sure enough, he'll make a couple throws at the end of the game. They'll win it. It's the same story every week. It's so annoying, but it's never going to change, man. Another offense that is absolutely loaded that has been struggling a little bit lately is the Dallas Cowboys. They're currently in the four spot in the NFC. They do get the win, and actually, before we get to the offense, can we just – should Micah Parsons be defensive player of the year? Like, are, are we voting for Micah as the depoy this season? Good Lord, man. I, so I don't know if you can just because of that Miles Garrett guy and just because of the start he got off. And you can't you can't ignore the first half of Miles Garrett's season because of what Parsons is doing right now. But knowing that Parsons has been able to essentially become an edge rusher overnight, flip the switch, and just turn into a superstar is unreal, man. The things that he's doing, his athleticism, just watching him win and how he wins. He he's making it sound. He I'm pretty sure didn't he say it was easy after like the NFL was easy. Um, and it was Monday or Tuesday. But the fact that he's having so much success so early 
and that they didn't put him here and he's still not a full-time edge rusher kind of just speaks to the the talent that he has man so so kudos to him not gonna say he should be the defense player of the year but he'll he'll end up top five i think he's already fifth in the um in the standings right now which is even nuts to say knowing what he's done this season i i'd probably think about aaron donald honestly i mean aaron donald just had a walk-off against arizona where he had what was it three sacks um so i mean he's up there but Micah Parsons is going crazy this year for sure. I mean, again, Penn State, they had two co-defensive coordinators who are now head coaches in college football, and they had Micah Parsons playing out of position and didn't uh, develop Owe, who is now Baltimore's top pass rusher. So it's like, why are these guys getting promotions? Like They had they had good players and they didn't use them right. I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, he's been incredible, but... Uh, I, I agree. He's probably not going to win it just because there's other veteran guys who are having fantastic seasons and he'll get like defensive rookie of the year and they'll be like, all right, just do it again next season. <laughs> and, and he'll have to put it together again. But man, that that guy is just absolutely insane. It's such a special player. Um, the Cowboys offense, though, seems like it's been really struggling and, and leaving a lot on the table. And this past week, Dak Prescott had a, a pretty bad interception. And I, I'm curious how you guys feel about Dak's performances lately. Like, are we starting to worry about him? Or is it strictly just like when Tyron Smith isn't healthy and in the game, like this Cowboys offense just doesn't work the way that it's supposed to? Because, you know, he he did play over the weekend, but he suffered another setback in his ankle injury. And Mike McCarthy already ruled him out for this week. So he's not going to be available and Dallas's offense just hasn't looked quite the same over the last couple of weeks as it did early in the season when I thought they were one of the best teams in football. So Jerry Jones has no problem talking about Dak when he's not playing well or when he's quote unquote not playing well. But the rest of the season, he's quiet. Like, where are you at when he's, you know, leading your team and overcoming your terrible defense? I actually don't think he played as poorly as the perception is against Washington. Um, yeah, he had that terrible interception. Whenever a quarterback, especially at his caliber, misses a throw or two you're like whoa what's going on remember we did the whole dance with Patrick Mahomes earlier this season like what Mahomes what's going on with him nope he just missed a throw or two it's not a big deal and I think that's the same with Dak I think he's actually played really well against Washington and it was just like a lot of circumstances that you know aside from the interception but I I really don't think he's the one to worry about I just think they're in a funk and that happens but I think once the playoff comes, I think, you know, with a month to go, I imagine Dallas with all of their freaking weapons are going to figure it out. And as you mentioned, like it's tough to replace Tyron Smith. Like he is probably, you know, if you're looking at irreplaceable offensive linemen and what they mean to their teams, like he's got to be up there. So um, wouldn't wouldn't put too much uh, stock into Washington's performance. And I mean, they still scored 27 points in one game. So I'm not too worried about Dak. And I, again, I thought he played well. I, I worry about Dak a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think it's the foot. It's not really like his performance. I think it's the foot. Like he's not moving around the same way. Mobility is um, an issue. Yeah. And, and that shown up the past couple weeks. I mean, it's not that Dak has to have mobility to operate. Like it's not like a Lamar Jackson is just like can't move outside of the pocket or something like that. Dak can make plays from the pocket, but he definitely was able to do some stuff like in terms of like extending that. Um, that offensive line too, hasn't been in the best shape this whole season. So I really do wonder, like, I know in the NFC, there's like the five teams who are basically locks to make it at this point. I would feel, I feel the worst about Dallas making the run. Are you guys kind of in the same boat? Like, I feel like Green Bay, Tampa, the Rams and the Cardinals all have a better shot at making the Super Bowl than Dallas. Wow. I disagree with that just because I don't think Arizona has enough on offense. And I know, you know, they have the player. I know Kyler Murray is Kyler Murray and DeAndre. I was going to say, how how much, how much more do you want? um, I I just don't think he's come back to life this season. Let's see James Conner do one-handed catches back to back (laughs) weeks, Kyle. When they play a good defense, when they play good teams, their offense is not the same. And I think we will see a better offensive version from Dallas than we will Arizona in the stretch during the playoffs. That's what I'm trying to say. Get your jokes off. I will be right. I cannot wait. I I, I do worry about them a little. Like the way the Rams are coming on right now and Odell is looking good and they're putting him in like positive situations to make contributions to the team. Van Jefferson 
Pitt has stepped into this like deep shot role and been super effective like that. Like the Rams are the team that I'm really looking at. And I, I feel like the way the Rams are performing offensively after they, they hit that little skid a few weeks back, like that's kind of what I expect from the Cowboys on a weekly basis is kind of what the Rams are doing right now. And, and I feel like they've kind of struggled with that a little bit, but they have one of the most overall talented teams in the NFL. So if they get healthy over the next four weeks and they kind of figure some things out, I think that they could still make a run. I'd still be confident in that. I think what the Rams did against the Cardinals was incredible because the way people talk about the Cardinals offense is how I feel about their defense. I think their defense is really freaking good, like top five good. And some of those throws Stafford made and the fi- the fact that they're actually using Van Jefferson after, you know, trying to kick him to the side um, all season. And who knew Odell Beckham is actually good. So, yeah, I think what they were able to do against the Cardinals is. And I know they had their bye week and they've been able to figure things out, but I think that's really what we're going to see from the Rams. And, and they didn't they did that without Daryl Henderson. So, like, that's a big deal as well. That's another quarterback health situation where. You know, Stafford didn't look right um, going into that, going into the bye, right? And then he played against Jacksonville, and you can say all the things you want about Jacksonville being a bad team and that all that, but we talked last week, and I was like, I think Stafford looks healthy. Like, even throwing on air, you could tell the difference between, you know, what Stafford looked like before the bye and then against Jacksonville um, in terms of, like, his injury and how, how accurate he is, even yeah, throwing but- short passes. Like, I think Stafford's back, so – Remember when we told you guys to all pump the brakes on the Sean McVay second half of the season, they get figured out stuff. I I think that was more of an indictment of at least this year, Stafford being healthy, not being healthy. And now he's healthy again. I I, I don't think any of it had to do with, you know, passing uh, Thanksgiving. And we we can talk about the Cardinals real quick too, because Kyler Murray kind of struggled in this game. He had a couple of picks, had some bad throws, but like, when Kyler made the throws, like Kyler was dealing some incredible throws during this football game. Really, Stafford and Kyler both put on a show. And I feel I felt like coming into this game, I was more like, okay, I'm in on the Cardinals after like spending all season long questioning them a little bit. And then after the game, I was like, okay, I guess I'm still kind of questioning the Cardinals. <laughs> and, I, and I don't really know how, how much faith I have in them. Like Kyler Murray is incredible, but I'm still afraid he's going to get hurt. And then I just like, don't trust Cliff that much. Yeah. I mean, Did you guys think the won. Rams corners looked bad? I thought they looked terrible. There, there were a lot of times. And I understand they lost Ramsey like right before the game, but there were plenty of times where like Kyler was throwing up, like frankly, like 50, 50 balls. And his guys were coming down with them. And I think if Jalen's in the game or if they're playing any NFC team that has better corners than the Rams had that week, that game looks a whole lot worse. And Arizona only snuck back into that game and had a shot to tie it because of an onside kick. You know, there was a lot of kind of like garbage time uh, points at the end of that. Did you just prove my point? Steve, did he just prove my point for me? <laughs> what was your point? Like, he sounds like he can't that Ari- like that Arizona is not who you think they are. What do you what? They're they're better than Dallas. Don't worry about it. Look, the the point about Dallas, you went off of this rant in the summer about Mike McCarthy. I will not forget Mike McCarthy is the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. They are not a threat to make a Super Bowl run. Whoever their fullback is is going to get five carries in a playoff game. They're going to blow it. I've seen it before. Special teams is going to go awry. I love how you just moved the goalposts and ignored everything that we just started talking about. Thank you for proving <laughs> my point, Justice, that Arizona is not who we think they are offensively. Um, as far as the Rams' corners go, that's been the case like all season. And just right. opposite of Ramsey, no matter who they have, they, like they have they have struggled, which is why I think they are talented. Like as as Steve said, like they do have a ton of talent on the on both sides of the ball, honestly, but like against Devontae Adams, against Tampa Bay, like that could get ugly because Tom Brady is going to attack, attack, attack. And even Dallas, like Dak would be able to expose their cornerback. So yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm kind of fascinated to see who the Rams end up matching up with and how they handle it because I think whoever they face on offense will be able to pick them apart a little bit. Yeah. Also, I don't know how I love the Rams, but I, now I'm starting to question Stafford, like uh, in the playoffs and, and, and primetime Stafford and like all yeah, this stuff. Yeah. Like he, he looked good though. I, okay. I, I have faith in the Rams, but yeah, I do think that their secondary is super questionable outside of Jalen Ramsey, but 
Let's take a quick time out. Uh, and when we get back, I feel like it's the moment we've all been waiting for and the moment you guys have all been waiting for. Urban Meyer is a winner, and he wants everybody in the NFL to know it. That's coming up next on NFL University. <laughs> Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I have some exciting news for you, class. Your time starts now. NFL. Crash course? This doesn't happen very often. You're going to enjoy this one. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, as well as Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., Urban Meyer apparently likes to have closed door meetings with his assistant coaches and make them prove why he hired them and gave them jobs because he thinks he's a winner and they are not winners, um, which is basically, I guess, how he's been managing this entire season. The Jacksonville Jaguars are a total dumpster fire right now. They're they're basically the worst team in the NFL and their offense is the worst offense in the NFL. This thing's just unraveling in Jacksonville. I don't care what Shad Khan says. Like you got to get rid of Urban Meyer and and try to salvage Trevor Lawrence because Trevor Lawrence has upside and this is just not working. Urban's got to go. So he's talking like he didn't pick the staff. Does, does yeah, he think like who, exactly. what is he doing? <laughs> he's making it sound like he's not the one who was brought in and Chris Doyle like we forget that that happened but um, I don't know, man. He It doesn't seem like he's willing to take any of the blame. It's funny, like, whenever we share the tweets in our little chat that he just looks broken, man, and nothing changes. But at this point, why do you keep him? It's clear that there's a disconnect. It's clear he's not bringing any value to your team. So what is the point of keeping him around? Um, I, I'm, I imagine money and the contract has a lot to do with it. But Bingo. that locker room, oh. That has to be a mess, man. It, it's sad. And I don't want to make it sound like Trevor Lawrence is, you know, this God because, you know, he his numbers don't suggest that he's playing well. But when you watch their games, Trevor Shannon or Trevor Shannon, Trevor Lawrence drops back and he's throwing the ball to Tavon Austin. Like that should not be a sentence that we have to say in 2021, man. So uh, there's a lot going on in Jacksonville and none of it seems good, but it all starts at the top and Urban Meyer just has to go there's no other way around it man that's the big question man because they had an opportunity to get out with with cause which means you don't have to pay him that has since passed and if you believe the reports that he signed you know a gruden type of contract that's 10 years 100 million dollars fully guaranteed that's a ton of money like i understand people are like we're not going to cry for you know billionaires having to buy out head coaches and stuff like that think about these owners that are trying to, you know, they try to suppress wages when new CBAs come up and they're fighting, you know, tooth and nail to keep it from, you know, 50, 55% instead of 60% of, of revenue going going to the players and going to the salary cap. $100 million just eating it and then, you know, having to hire another head coach, that's a, that's a ton. I mean, the, the NFL cap is what, that would be more than half the NFL cap right now yeah. this year 100 million dollars so like i think shot Khan right now is just like he, he's just kind of keeping urban around and is like man i hope this goes right because even next year 
it's a 90 million, you know, 80 million dollar buyout, depending on how you look at it. So, like, if this, like, he might, like, Urban Meyer might be like too big to fail. We might have to, like, get it like a national bailout for Sean Khan so they can move what on. What did from he it. expect? Based on everything that you know about this person, what did you expect? I don't know. It sucks because this move was clearly made just to make a splash. Like, that's it. To make, to get, you know, people talking about the Jaguars. So congrats, that worked, <laughs> but not in the way that you wanted it to. Uh, 2-11, and 11, look lifeless on offense. Uh, I actually I actually like the way that they try on defense. Like, they give effort, but, I mean, there's only so much you can do with the lack of talent that they have. And then when your coach is just so incompetent in so many different ways, um, they're 2-11. and 11 for I think it would, it would take Trevor coming out and saying, like, I don't want Irvin to be the head coach or train me. I think um, it would take that to to get him to move because Trevor already Trevor's taking shots at him now. He's like, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Robinson, the running back that everyone asks, James. you know, hey, hey, why why aren't you playing him? And Urban's like, let me let me uh, get an answer for you. Uh, I'll let you know tomorrow. And you're like, you're the head coach. Trevor <laughs> Lawrence now is saying like, yeah, he's a great running back. He he needs to be on the field. So you're starting to get that like uh, a Do like mis- mixed messaging you know, across the uh, Jaguars team right now. So I, then, I don't get it. Earlier this week, uh, I believe it was somebody in the Jacksonville media. Like they asked Urban about a, a player and like, you know, if he was going to get more playing time and Urban was like, yeah, he's, he's getting more playing time. And that player played zero snaps in that. Football. <laughs> and that and was Cisco, like a rookie. Cisco. It was the safety. Yeah. yeah. Like a third round rookie. Like not a, not you a UDFA. Pick that guy Urban. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like there's, I feel like there's a strong chance like he doesn't even know who that player is. Like, no like he he just has no idea. Like, is there is there a situation here in Jacksonville where like you could kind of do what the Broncos did with John Elway, which was just like you still got a title, you still got an office, but like move we got to move you office. off and, and kind of move on from you. Like, just give him an office somewhere in the organization and, and keep paying him <laughs> or whatever, and then just bring somebody else in and like give him no authority. Because paying that man a lot of money, man. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the other thing too is that did you see the offensive line question that he got? Where they're asking no. about the offensive line? They're like, oh, you're paying you you keep telling us these guys are good and they're getting their butts kicked and they're getting paid a lot of <laughs> oh, money yeah. to not to to not perform. And then he just like sits there, takes it, is looking at the ground and just like, yep. <laughs> Like goodness, yeah. he's 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 like slowly evolving into like Papa John, where like he, he's gonna he's gonna have the like I've eaten over forty pizzas in the last thirty days, <laughs> like face soon. This is amazing. Yeah. If you if you don't watch Urban Meyer press conference clips, I highly recommend it. Like that is the most defeated man body language I have ever seen at an NFL press conference. And it's how he looks at every single one of them. Like he does not want to look anybody in the media in the eye. He's not having he fun to be there. Yeah. He wants no part of it. He's just like, he is like, just fire me at this point. Like I'm going to keep collecting the paychecks, but if you fire me, I'm not going to be mad either. It just doesn't, doesn't make any sense. I understand it's a lot of money, but gosh, you got to get rid of him. Uh, the Chiefs totally dominated the Raiders once again. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders chose to wait until the Chiefs entered the locker room before the game to get ready to do their tunnel run out and everything. And they they like huddled up, met on the Chiefs logo. And a lot of the players actually didn't even know about it until after the game. Uh, but Kansas City absolutely dominated this Raiders team. The Chiefs as we've been talking about them all season long, obviously when they're on, they are one of the t- most talented teams in the NFL. Uh, I do think their defense is for real after the early season struggles, but I don't think that this performance against the Raiders really proved that much to me. I don't feel like I got any answers from this game a- against the Las Vegas Raiders. Like we'll get a lot more answers about this chiefs team uh, uh, after their Thursday night football matchup against the Los Angeles chargers. But it was just total domination. Like it was just Gus Bradley just said, well, our personnel is not that great. So we're just going to try to do what we do. And the chiefs were just like, all right, well, we're going to do what we do. Cause you're not doing what every other team in the NFL is doing against us. Yeah, that game. So the chiefs, they're not going to be able to score 45 points a game, obviously, or however many points they scored. Um, their offense has struggled leading up to that game. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, 
proving that you can score against Gus Bradley is going to make your offense turn the corner. I did think it was impressive the way their defense has played, and they continued that against the Raiders. I think that's the real takeaway, that their defense is probably legit, and that's why I think that they are the second-best team, or that's why I think they will continue to win, continue to beat good quality teams in the AFC because they can get stops now, and you eventually – Tiger Kill, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Like, they're going to figure it out. But the fact that all, their defense is getting stops and getting off the field, getting pressure, um, it was the real takeaway here. Hopefully, um, they'll be able to do something. You know, we don't know who's going to play yet thanks to the COVID list. But um, I think that was the real takeaway from the Chiefs. Imagine getting hyped up at midfield on the road and you're like, yeah, we're going to play base cover three. Yeah. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes never going to see this coming. Oh, that's the easiest game to predict. I feel like both times Chiefs Raiders, we were just like Gus Bradley's absolutely going to get eaten. It's going to be a get right game for Mahomes. And it's not going to like it's not going to correlate to anything moving forward because the Raiders are the only team that are, that that's doing this in the league. What's what, what makes it even more embarrassing for the Raiders is the Chiefs didn't know that they did that on the logo. And then the first play of the game was a scoop and score fumble for the Kansas City defense. Like it was just total domination from the very first snap. Like the Raiders just had no business being there. But yeah, I, I think that we're going to get a lot of questions answered about this Chiefs team on, on Thursday night football this week. We'll see how the COVID stuff plays out. Both teams are going to be missing potential star players in this game. So there, there's some question marks headed into Thursday night, but I do want to talk about Justin Herbert and his performance. The uh, touchdown that everyone's no doubt seen it, at this point, which was just one of the filthiest throws I, I feel like I've ever seen in the National Football League, where Justin Herbert just put it on a rope for 60 yards to uh, Jalen Guyton. Man, I, I feel like all of the questions that I feel like I was having kind of midseason about this Joe Lombardi offense, like I feel like they're kind of opening things up a little bit and giving Justin Herbert the opportunity to make some of those incredible throws and, and do some of the just elite things that we know he's capable of doing. And I'd like to see more of it because this Chargers offense could be a lot of fun if they just let him sling the football down the field like they weren't doing early in the season. Yeah, they turn the corner once they hit the bye week. After the bye week, they've been one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL, and it's crazy. But once you just put the ball in the hands of your best player, good things will happen. So they did that against the Giants, who, yes, they're the Giants, but they did it without Keenan Allen. And they should not have been able to move the ball in the manner that they did. Talking about that throw, so he is rolling right. The receiver is not rolling right. The receiver is running in the opposite direction as him. So he's rolling right, comes to a stop. It's not like he comes to a stop and has time to like hitch, hitch, gather and throw it. He's rolling right, running full speed, stops in a split second, sees the receiver, sets his feet, throws it, and it hits the receiver in stride over six yards down the field. That is just unreal. You don't see those throws. That just does not happen at any level, of course. But to see it happen from a second-year player in the NFL, not throwing to like a speedy, not throwing to like one of his better targets, um, just kind of tells you the talent that they have. But I think it is time to kind of – because it's easy to be hard on Joe Lombardi knowing how the Chargers were playing on offense the first half of the season. But if you just look at their splits since the bye week, they've been they've played really well. And really the only thing that's been hurting them is like, the, the fumbles are like just the typical charger goofs, but uh, kudos to Lombardi for allowing Herbert to be a quarterback and letting, you know, giving him the keys to the offense, essentially. The big thing in this upcoming game is going to be the tackles, right? Let's, let's Slater out. Yeah. Um, how, how they match up against those chiefs, but it was interesting. Like the uh, next gen stats graph of Justin Herbert, like that touchdown throw was literally off the charts. They they don't have a chart that is long enough to be able to uh to to show that, you know, visually. I, I still worry about the Chargers moving forward though, because they just can't stop the run, period. Like they're they're like the if the Bills can't run the ball, the Chargers can't stop the run, right? Like the, that's something that's gonna kill them in the playoffs, I think. I think they're gonna make the playoffs, but I, I just don't know how far they can go. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. They've given up the second most rushing yards in the NFL this year. They've you've been able to run on them all season. And yeah, if you face a team like the Patriots who have two running backs who are just oh, it's gonna, over. 
who are just going to run all over you. It's it's going to be a bad situation for the Chargers. But that would be like worst case scenario if they ran into the Patriots or like the Colts, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens on, on Thursday night football this week against the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and we'll see if some of these star players who are on the COVID list are going to be available in that contest. The Cincinnati Bengals have dropped two in a row. I. I feel like I'm I'm kind of lost on the Bengals right now where, you know, they're one of the youngest, most exciting teams in football. And when they play well, they look like they can score, like they can legitimately compete. Joe Burrow looks like he is going to be a star quarterback. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, like offensively, their weapons are about as good as anybody in the league right now but they also still look like a really young team. And I really have my questions about Zach Taylor as a head coach, but it being Cincinnati and the fact that they don't generally move off of head coaches very often, I would assume that Zach Taylor is going to be there for the long haul. And it's making me a little bit worrisome, like about the Bengals long-term chances of being like a legitimate Super Bowl contender, because there's going to be some hype around this team headed in next year. And they might make the playoffs. They might not this season, but they're undoubtedly one of the youngest, like most talented up and coming teams in the NFL, in my opinion. So when I was watching them last week, my main takeaway was, man, they would be fun if they had Lane Kiffin calling plays. And of course, that's never, never going to happen. But I just don't think I don't know what Zach Taylor does. He was doing a lot of clapping on the sideline. I don't know what else he was doing bringing to the table but if you just yeah if you just name the players on their roster like how many receivers are how many duos are better than jamar chase and t higgins because i don't think people understand how good of a player t higgins is i don't think people acknowledge that joe burrow gives these guys a chance yes he has a little bit of a pea shooter of an arm but the fact that he plays on time and can push the ball down the field gives those guys a chance to make plays and they're just really good 50 50 ball winners um on the other side of the ball sam hubbard uh, he's really freaking good, by the way. And then you pair him with Trey Henderson. So you get two good edge rushers. You have two good wide receivers. You have Joe Mixon, who's going to be really good in the open field. Like he's just naturally going to make plays. Joe Burrow, uh, you have players, man. So it's it's not a surprise that they are, you know, right around 500 a game, over 500. But it just seems like something's missing. And I'm not sure what that is, which is why I blame Zach Taylor. <laughs> I, I think what's missing is like, just stars like they have a lot of solid guys across the board on the defensive side of the ball and then offensively you know Mixon's Mixon's good he's not like game breaker running back but he's good and then Chase is kind of like their game breaker but like if you can figure out how to kind of bottle up Chase a little bit I I think this Bengals team is kind of like easy to figure out at least in terms of the defensive side of the ball their offensive line is still an issue and for all the jokes about like the Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, like who got it right, who got it wrong, whatever. Um, they're going to need to look at offensive linemen high in the draft this upcoming year. They need it, period. And if they're not going to spend it in free agency, which we know that team doesn't really do, they're going to need to add another offensive lineman or two. I think the biggest issue, and we talk about the Bills not being physical. I don't think they're a very physical team, and that comes back to bite them at the worst possible times. So that's what I would say. And you mentioned Chase. You can tell – that just getting in his face a little bit and pressing him uh, does still give him a bit of an issue too. The the thing with um, the thing with the physicality with the Bengals, I think beyond just like their offensive line, not being good is their offense is so divorced or it's like their passing game offense is their, is their shotgun offense. Their under center offense is their run game offense. And it's almost like they're running two different offenses and it like kind of works for them. But like if everything was able to like mesh into like one cohesive system, I think it would help a lot. And that probably does, you know, fall on the shoulders of Zach Taylor since he is the guy who's so he was supposed to come in and, and run the shit or the uh, McVeigh scheme. And yeah. they're not running that at all. No, there's no McVeigh principles at all. Yeah, I just I, I question Zach Taylor, but again, it's Cincinnati, and that means he's probably going to be the head coach there for a decade before they decide to move on from him. Before we get out of here, we have to talk about the 9-4 and four Tennessee Titans really quick, who currently sit at the number two seed in the AFC. We talked about our concerns with the Baltimore Ravens. 
The Tennessee Titans offense is not very good. It's not fun to watch without Derrick Henry. A.J. Brown's on IR right now. Julio Jones did return, but he's still playing kind of limited snaps because I'm assuming he's not 100% healthy. I have zero faith in the Titans. Like I, I feel like I could talk myself into having more faith in the Ravens, assuming Lamar returns this week, than I will have at all for the Tennessee Titans, but there is a small chance they get Derrick Henry back, but I have zero confidence in the Tennessee Titans at all, even being at nine and four right now in the AFC. They just can't move the ball, man. They, they don't, they look like a team that has no identity. And obviously that's what happens when you build your team around one player and that player is not there, but they, they are struggling to move the ball and they're doing that at the worst possible time so um yeah i have no faith in tennessee um to be fair again it's tough when you do revolve your offense around derrick henry but they're like middle of the pack since like week seven in offensive a lot of offensive uh statistics and knowing that knowing that their defense isn't like this top tier unit i i can't wait to fade them in the playoffs let's just say that yeah i mean there was a point remember this season where it was like 50 50 if the Titans were going to get to one seed in the AFC, just off of the lead that they had built and, and the schedule that they play, or, you know, they're, they're beating Urban Myers, Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban's like, I'm not even going to give you a handshake. You don't deserve it. Like any, anyone can beat us. But everyone was talking about kind of like the triplets in Tennessee, right? Where it was AJ Brown, Derrick Henry, Julio Jones. None of them are healthy. And it's hard to win ball games when your identity of your team is not healthy collectively like almost like a cluster injury type of situation. So I don't know if you can really blame them for, for not being able to move the ball around. I mean, they tried the Adrian Peterson thing and then they quickly realized like that's not going to work. Which um, was good on them, by the way. Yeah, they should be trying that stuff. You, they were yeah. in a desperation moment, but it's hard to blame them. But at the same time, no, I'm not taking them as a threat. I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to black out and go on a Joe Flacco run and win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, just look at the teams that they beat. So they beat the Jaguars 20 to nothing. But that, like, they – it was an ugly game. And you know that. The Patriots ran through them the week before. They lost to the Texans at home in a rainy game. Um, They probably shouldn't have beaten the Saints. They were lucky to beat this – like, that was when Stafford was hurt, right? Or did Stafford get injured that game? I know he turned it over twice and threw – basically threw two pick sixes. Um, But just a lot of luck, a lot of – faulty things that have happened that just don't seem sustainable that will catch up to them. And this was probably already going to catch up to them. So now the Titans, they have the, the Steelers and the 49ers next. So let's see how they look against these next two in these next two games to see if they are quote unquote real. Yeah. And the, their offense, you know, prior to the Derrick Henry injury, like their passing offense was just struggling. Like in, in general, it, it's been a down season compared to what Ryan Tannehill had done since he had gone to Tennessee and AJ Brown's not eligible to return this week, but he could be available the following week. I, I, I really like just the fan in me wants Julio Jones to not be done, but Julio just doesn't seem like he can stay healthy. He does not look like the same player when he's on the football field this season. Maybe it is just a lost season for him and he can come back next season and look like the Julio that we're all used to seeing, but yeah, it's hard to have, any faith in the Tennessee Titans as, as we head into the postseason. Before we get out of here, we do have some breaking news uh, from KP. Adam Schefter tweeting out Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins is expected to miss the remainder of the regular season with a sprained knee. Hopkins has had some injury problems all throughout this season. Obviously, it's a major blow to that offense. The Cardinals are a little stacked at wide receiver, but I was kind of joking earlier when I said A.J. Green is back. Uh, Now I'm a little bit more concerned about Arizona before we get out of here if A.J. Green is really their top pass-catching option moving forward. Yeah, like their schedule will allow them. So they play the Lions, they play the Colts, they play the Cowboys, and they play the Seahawks. So you, you would imagine it would be coin flip the last two games, and or sorry, they should be able to run through the lines easily, but I don't think the Colts are going to be easy. The Cowboys are not going to be easy in the, the Seahawks are a divisional game. So they're not in any way like they're not tied up for the division. They're the three seed now. They're 10 and three. The Rams are only one game behind them at nine and four. And I mean, the 49ers are not going to win the division, but the Cardinals not having home field advantage would be disastrous for them. Um, this is huge. We're going to find out. I mean, they have all those wide receivers and they're kind of 
you know, odd in the rotation a little bit. Like Rondell Moore gets worked in and then gets worked out pretty frequently. We're going to figure out like how deep these wide receivers are. Like how, how much is really left in AJ Green's legs? How much of the load can Rondell Moore handle? Um, goodness gracious. I mean, that's, that's a huge move. I mean, Hopkins is probably a top two receiver in the league to me yeah. with uh, Devontae Adams. So that's going to be a huge deal moving forward. I do love me some Rondale Moore, and I, I would like to see him get some more snaps and some more run in this offense. Maybe it's maybe it's Zach Ertz. Maybe Zach Ertz is that, that acquisition that they needed down the stretch. We'll see. But, yeah, that's definitely concerning for the Arizona Cardinals as we inch even closer to the NFL playoffs. Uh, but thank you guys so much for listening to NFL University. Follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. And before we get out of here, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review everything that we are doing on the SB Nation NFL show. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.